and welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, and joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hello, everyone. All right. We've got an excellent show in store for you, and I must say, sorry, everyone, for not putting out a podcast. Last week, my wife had a baby. Woo! Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yes. So this this podcast now has double dad energy, which That's right. I, uh, I think we'll probably just shoot it right up the charts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got it. Uh, but we have a great show for you in store now that we are back. Uh, we're going to talk about the box office. Uh, we will uh, review 90s Disney movies for kids live action ones and we'll rank them we'll once again replay the blockbuster game and uh rob has some kind of unusual news story which will lead us off in just a second and of course Mm. our watch list all right we're at the news item rob what do you got so i just watched the new ice age movie Mm. it's on disney plus Direct to streaming. The only person who comes back as a voice in the new Ice Age movie is Simon Pegg. Ah. Playing the character of Buck Wild. Literally everyone else was recast. Interesting. Which is weird. That is weird. But the one thing missing from this Ice Age movie, which is the sixth in the series, I think most people, when they watch an Ice Age movie, might expect to see a certain squirrel rat Mm. running around chasing an acorn. At the beginning and being pummeled to death in various ways, his name yeah. is Scrat. It it I, as I was watching the movie, I thought, "Where is Scrat?" And I was disheartened and sad. Hmm. And then I saw a news item pop up on the Reddit movies subreddit that said that Disney no longer owns the rights to Scrat. Hmm. Because they lost a lawsuit to a person who claims to have created the character. Really? So Scrat will no longer be in any Ice Age movies. Starting with the one that just came out. That's fascinating. And uh, so Scrat, if you may not know, his name is spelled S-K-R-A-T. But the person who filed this lawsuit claims they created a character named Scrat spelled i believe s-q-r-a-t but claiming it's the same character and that it was ripped off by at the time 20th century fox who then used it with the blue sky studios in their movies of the ice age brand Hmm. and so after two decades of litigation literally because the first ice age movie came out in 2002 yeah Scrat is no longer the property of Disney. And uh, the thing that the article said was that this bodes well for others who potentially are bringing up copyright suits against big corporations Hmm. to IP, intellectual property. Yeah. So it is kind of a big news story in that vein, but Really, the most important part is that Scrat was not in a new Ice Age movie. Yeah. And it just brought sadness. <laughs> and now I know why, because he's no longer part of Ice Age. 
Now, the question for me is, now that you're the original guy and you have Scrat, what the heck are you going to do with him? Right. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, the only <laughs> thing that makes any sense is that you turn around and lease him back to Disney. Yeah. For 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 rights. I mean, what are you going to do with him? You're not. Yeah, apparently, they released a tweet saying, "No Scrat in Ice Age Six. Finally, victory." <laughs> it's like victory for what? Like now, your character will be a nothing. Okay. Yeah. Now he's back to you. I mean, hey, if you created it and that was your character, you know. By all means, but I think the best solution here is get paid. Yeah, <laughs> get paid. But as you can clearly see, that, that was the most important thing that happened in movies this week, probably clearly. this year, maybe this decade. Clearly. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, so uh, back to regularly scheduled programming. Breaking news aside. Um, Let's, uh, let's go over the box office numbers. Uh, the King returns. That's right. Back at the top of the box office charts, Spider-Man is back. Finishing number one at last weekend's box office, making a cool $11 million. Uh, Scream came back in with number, at number two at 7.4. Sing 2, 4.7. Redeeming Love, 1.8. And the Kingsman, 1.7. So, Rob, not a huge haul from the box office this weekend. What do you make of Spider-Man's return? Yeah, it's obviously not a massive number, but it is an impressive number considering some of the numbers that we were seeing for weeks and weeks and weeks previously to its release. The fact that it's making 11 million. What week is it in now? Man. Uh, it's double digits at this point. It's been out for a while. Yeah, we're so close to two months now. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, uh, what it's doing. Um, I did go and see Sing Two. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that in the um, watch list. Okay. So I'm not surprised that, that continues to make some money. People yeah. are still going out for that. Um, and Scream, obviously. Like I said, when it first came out, legacy horror movies usually mm-hmm. do well. They usually have um, decent staying power too yeah. because especially if there's not really any other scary movies in, in, coming out so mm-hmm. yeah for, for me not a lot of surprises here um the raw box office numbers for the top five are not big which just means that all these movies have been out for weeks and and they haven't seen anything new and so i think that's why you see the reshuffling again and it just falls down to okay there's not a lot out so which movie is the best movie that's out and that's why you see spider-man coming back up uh, which is not overly surprising, uh, but that will not be the case coming this week where we start to see uh, some more movies come out. And I think there's three main releases coming out this week that should draw a pretty decent amount of interest for very different crowds. Uh, so something for everybody here uh, this week. There are three movies uh, the first one is, of course, uh, Jackass Forever, which uh, these guys are still around because <laughs> apparently this is still a thing. <laughs> so I actually uh, had the pleasure of watching WrestleMania, or not WrestleMania, um, the Royal Rumble hmm. on some, uh, previous Sunday. And Johnny Knoxville participated in the Royal Rumble for all of about 45 seconds before he was summarily thrown over the rope and disqualified. Yeah, that's probably good for him. 
<laughs> yeah. He did come in and kick like one dude in the face, but then he got thrown out. So yeah. So what what do you what do you make of of the these guys still around coming out with another movie? Do you think there's still a market for this uh for this brand of humor in the uh in the theaters? Well, I think it's hilarious, first of all, that like Johnny Knoxville. There was an article that came out about him saying that he actually suffered brain damage from one of the stunts <laughs> that they known for this movie. And yet he's on Jimmy Kimmel uh, touting that he's going to be on the Royal Rumble. And then he shows up at the Royal Rumble and shows off some athletic moves. And, you know, gets beaten up pretty soundly. But that's kind of the thing. Like, you knew that he would be okay with getting beat up because that's just who he is as a person. Well, and I, I do think based on the the audience reaction, he might have had the best reaction of the entire hmm. wrestling match of the Royal Rumble where there were 30 wrestlers that came out. Okay. Um, so I, I think that he is still a popular character. I think people still want to check out what he does and what his crew does. So I don't think by any means it's going to be like a massive number, but I think it will well. I think double digits easily, probably in 20 to 30, somewhere okay. in there. I wouldn't okay. be surprised. I, I think that there is a, a good amount of interest in them still. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, my, the question I would have would be again, is, is it an era that has passed like uh, entourage, for instance, like entourage had the huge following when it was a TV show and the movie came out way later and it just like, everyone's like, Oh yeah, we're totally over this by now. Uh, so I was curious to see if that was going to be the case. Uh, my real question is, how does one know if Johnny Knoxville has brain damage? <laughs> how would he? How would you know? You would not I know. It's more like it made the brain damage worse. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like he's going to act strange and different. Um, yes, <laughs> he's going to do things that normal human beings won't do. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, you're not going to be able to tell if Johnny Knoxville has brain damage. This is going to be Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. All right. So that's that one. Uh, the second movie that's coming out uh, was The Wolf and the Lion. A wolf pup and the lost lion cub are rescued by a girl in the heart of the Canadian wilderness. Their friendship will change their lives forever. So you have a dog and a pet. Uh, or a dog and a human story, like a uh, a bonding between animal and person. Uh, this one stars Molly Kuntz uh, and is directed by Gilles de Maestra. Uh, so that is Wolf and the Lion. And uh, the third movie that's coming out is one that we have both been looking forward to, and that's Moonfall. Uh, Moonfall stars Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry, and it is the story of a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. So another another kind of uh, sci-fi action uh, destruction type thriller, and we've mentioned this one a number of times. Uh, so Rob, what do you make of Wolf and the Lion? and moonfall uh wolf and the lion sounds like an incredible family friendly movie that i have no interest in seeing whatsoever <laughs> because i'm a bad parent mm-hmm. i don't know it does not yeah just the description does not 
speak to me at all. It's like, I kind of feel like I've seen this movie many, many times. And, and I kind of, and I kind of think it sounds pretty much like a movie starring Channing Tatum. that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Yes. Called dog. Called which dog. I'm actually interested in seeing and my daughter wants to see. So I'll probably see dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wolf, lion, dog, rock, paper, scissors. Um, so moonfall. Yes. I don't know if exciting is the right word. More like gleefully aware of its existence and just, you know, anticipating seeing how bad this movie actually is. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go all out IMAX on this one. Okay. Although it would probably be one that would be worth that because hmm. um, it's going to have a wide scale massive destruction and the moon falling out of the sky yeah so maybe i will i don't know <laughs> um i'm going to watch something tonight tomorrow night so i don't okay. know if that will be it but um i am i am very intrigued by this movie hmm. and i in no way expect it to be good yeah yeah, I don't know what to expect of it. I mean, oftentimes I find the disaster, like the kind of sci-fi disaster movies are are popcorn movies. Like you go for the entertainment value. You don't go for how fantastic they are um, or the in- intricate storyline. Uh, you go to see some uh, some cool destruction and, and just have a good time. Uh, so that's what I'm pretty much expecting from it. I do like the sci-fi element to it. Um, and I'm hoping for some very cool visuals and we'll see, but yeah, yeah. I don't have a ton to say about this until we see it. Uh, but I think this would be of all the ones, this is definitely be, would be the one that I would go see. Mm -hmm. All right. Moving on to discussion. Uh, now a number of times this, this is prompted by, this next discussion item is prompted by the fact that I've been home for a week with my uh, newborn daughter and my wife. And so I've been trying to watch unobjectionable things with her, uh, <laughs> my, my wife, that is, because she doesn't like a lot of she doesn't like a lot of action. She doesn't like a lot of violence. So there's limited things on this. I've, I've been perusing uh, some of the classics that I loved as a kid. Uh, the classic Disney live action movies that I loved as a kid. And we've talked about some of these on, on a couple of occasions, but I thought we'd go through and just rank some of them. Uh, and I did not even hit up all of them that are on there that fit into this category, but there was a category of movies, 1990s Disney live action kids movies. And there were so many really, really good titles. Uh, both of us grew up, in the nineties, a lot in the nineties and we're kids in the nineties. And it made, uh, uh, these were movies that I always loved as a kid and watched them over and over and over again. And I think you were in the same boat, uh, as well. And, and so I thought we would go through and rank and do our personal rankings of some of these movies, uh, in terms of which ones we like best. And all of them are currently available on Disney Plus. So if you are a Disney Plus subscriber, you can watch all of them. Uh, so let's go. I'll, I'll go through and I'll read the list, and then we'll each talk about our personal our personal rankings. Now, this like I said, this is not all, and these are just the ones I selected. Uh, so we have the Big Green, Heavyweights, Blank Check, 
Rookie of the Year, A Kid in King Arthur's Court, The Sandlot, The Mighty Ducks. All right. Uh, now, I was I thought about going through and giving descriptions all, but that's going to take too much time. So we'll just we'll 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 hit them up a little bits about them as we go through our as we go through our rankings. Uh, so Rob, start me out number seven. What was your number seven? I didn't actually write a list down, but I'm going to go with um, let me see. Probably the Big Green would be my okay lowest ranked one. And any, then, uh, am I going all the way through here? What was that? No, we'll go back and forth. Okay. Yeah. So big green was my number seven too. Uh, what do you have any, uh, any explanation for your choice? I think that I just had more sports live action, Disney type movies that I liked better. Yeah. Um, rookie of the year already on the list. My ducks already on the list. Sandlot already on the list. Yeah. Um, little giants I put above the big green. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were just a bunch of movies that in that subgenre of the subgenre that, that I personally rated higher as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I just did not have it very high. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And it's one of, it's one of those where um, sometimes as a kid, the ones you like end up being the ones that somebody bought for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I saw the big green and I had some friends who, who, who owned the big green, but it wasn't one I ever owned. So I didn't watch it repeatedly as a kid. So while I liked the movie, it didn't resonate with me quite as much because I didn't watch it over and over and over again when I was growing up. So that's that's why that one stumbles down into place number seven for me. All right. Since we both had that seven, maybe you should give us number six. Sure. For you. Uh, number six, I had the key, a kid in King Arthur's Court. Uh, so I, actually, I, have that much, I have that much higher on my list. OK, I actually yeah. really like this film. This this one is this one is quite cool. It's It's a very cool film. And uh, it was another one from, um, was it, his name's Thomas Ian Nichols. Is that the right guy? Perhaps. Uh, I'm looking it up here. Yeah, Thomas Ian Nichols. Yeah, the same guy who played in Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so he uh, he's a baseball player again, and he ends up back in medieval times and trying to save Camelot. There's some really cool scenes in this movie. Uh, I think it's sixth for me, again, similar reasons. I saw it a number of times and really liked it, uh, but it wasn't one that I watched on repeat over and over and over again. Uh, so Is I think this movie uh, with, uh, with, with super blonde Daniel Craig? Yes. In it? So, yes. for, so for me, that's the reason why it can't be this low because Daniel mm-hmm. Craig, I mean, James Bond is in it. So yeah. um, I think for me, uh, number six is, and this is almost to sound sacrilegious because I'm, I'm a sports fan, I'm a baseball fan, but rookie of the year. Mm. Um, I think that I am just too attached to realism. <laughs> like <laughs> a real hard time with sports movies <laughs> to completely obliterate with some statements later but for this movie in particular yeah um it was so unbelievable that i couldn't connect to it mm-hmm. and i kind of feel the same way about um uh what's the one with the kid who pitches for the twins he doesn't pitch he manages the twins Oh yes, and that one is uh, Little Big League. Yeah, Little Big League. It kind of felt the same way about that one. Yeah. So yeah, I just uh, it didn't do it for me. 
personally. And I know a lot of people really like that movie. So sorry, people. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my comments on that one because I will actually that was one of the ones I watched this week. I'll give you my comments on that one here uh, when we get to it in my order. OK. All right. So you're up with number five. Uh, so number five, t- remind me what the last five are. So I, I had um, rookie of the year and mm-hmm. the big greens so far. Yeah. So you have heavyweights, blank check, uh, a kid in King Arthur's court, the Sandlot and the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, I would go blank check next. Okay. Um, uh, again, there are a lot of movies in this subgenre, subgenre, um, and I just think Richie Rich is a much better movie. Mm-hmm. Personally, if we're talking about spoiled kid, yeah. even to some extent, Home Alone has mm-hmm. some of those themes. Not, yeah. not quite the same, but like Untethered Child yeah. <laughs> is kind of the same. Uh-huh. So I would have I would have blank check uh, there at number five. Yeah. And I actually have, we're, we're not, we're not there yet, but when I finish my list, I've got three that I rank higher than any of the seven on your list. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I, part of the problem is, is like, I was trying to scroll through Disney plus and it was being annoying to me. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm missing some on there and I'm just like, all right, I'm, r- I'm running out of time. The baby needs fed. This is the list. <laughs> 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 hey, you know, but yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what's what's uh what's on your list. Okay, uh, number five for me is also blank check for very nice. similar reasons. Yeah, I agree. Richie Rich is a better movie. Uh, this one's interesting. It has some interesting uh, elements to it. As a kid, you're always fascinated with the idea of uh, being able to get all the t- all the things you want, all the toys, all the fun, entertainment, the cool stuff. Uh, so there's there's an element of that that I really enjoy, uh, but it's yeah it's hard it's hard to rank one higher when it's not even the best in the same category necessarily. Yeah. So uh, what do you got for number four? Then? Number four for me is rookie of the year. Okay. Uh, so I rank this higher on my list not because of the premise because the premise is completely ridiculous and absurd, uh, but because. It was just a fun movie when I was a kid. My brother was a Cubs fan, so he really, really liked it. Um, I, yeah, I just enjoyed. I enjoyed the movie. And what's strange about this is Gary Busey is half normal in this movie. <laughs> Getting Gary Busey to be normal, I think that just proves he's an actor. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not realize that Daniel Stern directed this. Ah, I did not. Yeah. One of the wet bandits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. And he's in he's in this movie and plays a crazy, crazy character. But you're right. The premises, some of the premises are, are completely ridiculous. Like the idea that they just put a cast on his arm and aren't checking to see how it's healing. And then yeah. oh magically his ligaments fuse into a different <laughs> into a different form. Oops. <laughs> and then he just walks out of the doctor's office and like, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> Then, uh, of course, the the whole aspect of of him then that being a functional thing that he can he can throw, but then he magically can throw strikes. Also ridiculous. But I think the I think the one that really got me is the in the in the the culminating scene when he loses his speed, his fastball, and he's out there on the mound. Like what manager in his right mind doesn't go yank the 12 year old who's throwing like a 12 year old. I mean, from a sports fans thing, it's just like, all right, you know, there's a lot of weird premises, but come on, man. Yeah. 
All right. So for number four, for me, I had uh, kind of a back and forth here a little bit, but I, I would go with heavyweights to number four. Okay. And it's no fault of Ben Stiller, who is hilarious in this movie. Yes. I, I love his character. Um, the funny thing about Ben Stiller's character in Heavyweights is that Ben Stiller's character in Dodgeball is pretty much the same person, just skinnier. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when I watch Heavyweights, all I can really hear is Ben Stiller's character from Dodgeball. So funny story about that. I, I watched Heavyweights in the afternoon a couple days ago uh, and then turned on, turned on the, the TV once the movie is done. And the first movie that popped up was Dodgeball, which I then watched. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. this is exactly the same character. Yeah. I feel like I'm watching the same thing. You're yeah. 100% and in right. Fact, there's, even, there's even echoes of that character in Happy Gilmore, too, with yeah. uh, Ben Stiller's uh, playing the attendant, medical attendant. Yeah. So it's uh, his snarky, uh, abusive, sarcastic persona. It fits really well with this movie. And it's so the, none of these top four are bad movies for no. me. By any stretch, it's just not top on the list of what you provided. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess we'll go to number three for me. Um, is let's see, I guess I'd go kid in King Arthur's Court here just because I think the two remaining after that are just better movies overall that you have on the list. and. I love a kid in King Arthur's Court because I loved like medieval history as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love to see different takes on Merlin and the Knights of the Round Table stories. Yeah. Um, King Arthur um, with Clive Owen, probably my favorite of oh, yeah. those. Absolutely. Um, but I just, I love any story, any movie that attempts to tell this story. And I just love all the different takes that are on it. Some straightforward, some mystical. Um, some just quirky and this kind of falls in that end of things but i really liked it as a kid mm-hmm. um watched it several times as well so kidding king arthur's court would be number three for me plus james bond no more yeah. no more needs to be said yeah <laughs> uh number three for me is heavyweights so i'm on the heavyweights at number three uh I, the another thing i learned this was a judd apatow movie huh I realized that Judd Apatow was involved in this one, but he was. Um, this one carried over a significant amount of cast from Mighty Ducks. Like half the crew from Mighty Ducks is in heavyweights. And uh, the main character, Gerald Garner, uh, was Carp. And of course, you have Goldberg, the goalie, is in this one. You have Keenan Thompson is in this one, who was also in Mighty Ducks 2. Uh, so you have a number of you have a number of characters. It's just fun. Like as as an as a young uh, a boy, all all the bodily humor and fart jokes and uh, insane uh, humor and the candy and all that stuff. It just it's it's just a really it's a fun it's a fun fun movie. Uh, what's funny is uh, the actor who plays uh, Gerald Garner is actually quite ripped now. Hmm. So. Interestingly, I guess they got shamed into getting in shape. Yeah, as a fact. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So heavyweights was always a favorite of mine, and and Ben Stiller is awesome. 
So uh, I believe that means both of us have the same two movies in our top two. Yes. The question is, will they be in the same order? Yeah. So what do you got for number two? Sandlot. All right. Yeah. I want the Sandlot at number two. Uh, there's there's something very, very nostalgic about the Sandlot. I mean, it speaks to it speaks to a different era and uh, the camaraderie amongst the kids uh, the the baseball aspect of it, you know, I don't know if you did, but I grew up playing baseball every day uh, in the summers with uh, with my friends and the kids in the neighborhood, and and so I related to this quite a bit. I, I really really enjoyed this, uh, but I yeah, when, do have a number two. Yeah, when I talked about unbelievability with um, Rookie of the Year and other movies like that. That's why I like the Sandlot, and uh, because it felt very down to earth, it felt real. Yeah, um, felt like there were actual stakes. There was danger, like kid danger, like mm-hmm. things that would terrify you as a kid, like a giant scary dog. Yeah, I mean it is very very relatable. Um, so I actually have that first, and I have the the Mighty Ducks second. Okay. Um, the Mighty Ducks second. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll explain after you give your reasoning for it being first mm-hmm. um because uh, it it is involved in my top three that weren't on the seven that you provided yeah okay all right so for me it was number one because this was probably my favorite movie as a kid i mean star wars is right up there uh it's either this or star wars like this movie like came to define like parts of my childhood um this movie came out in 1992. Uh, I remember watching the U.S. Olympic hockey team in 1992. And from that moment on, I was into hockey. Uh, I, I got a hockey set, the Olympic hockey set, and go play it in my parents' basement. Um, and this, this was just like the moment. Like this, this represents so much of my childhood right here. This, the movie, The Mighty Ducks. Um, I watched it over and over and over again. My parents got sick of me watching it over and over and over again. Um, but it just really developed a love for hockey. And, and the kids are funny and interesting. And it's, of course, the classic underdog, lovable losers to, to victorious champions. Um, it, just, it just makes for a great, uh, it makes for a great film. All right. So the reason why I can't have it number one is because to me, the quintessential 90s sports movie is D2, The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, I thought about throwing the other the other one because D2 is pretty freaking fantastic, too. And I that was the first movie my mom allowed me to go see in the theater that was not animated. Oh, okay. And I got to see it for my friend's 13th birthday party. And nice. I still remember being able to go see it. And um I, I love I I'm a very patriotic person, so I love the whole U.S. aspect of the movie. Yeah, um, I think the movie is hilarious. I think it's very well written. I think that kids are all incredible actors in the movie, mm-hmm. um, and really like bring the story to life. Also, Julie the cat Gaffney is from Bangor, Maine, which is like an hour from where I was born. <laughs> so as soon as I saw that, it got instant bonus points. Yeah. Um. So that's. That that is high up on my list, but that would be third. 
So second would be Angels in the Outfield, which completely mm-hmm. goes against my earlier statement of sports movies needing to be believable. <laughs> 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 but uh, who doesn't love a story about angels helping actual angels? I mean, it's just <laughs> it's great. And very, uh, it's like kid. It's like Field of Dreams for kids kind of is how I look at it and I always enjoyed that movie I love the story but my number one live action Disney movie that I, I'm just devastated was not included on this list George of the Jungle with Brendan Fraser oh, okay it's just <laughs> such a good movie and it is so funny and I think I probably watched that movie like a hundred times as a kid mm. and I need to I probably need to watch it tonight when we're done recording because it's been a while mm. and I need to I need some George of the Jungle in my life <laughs> Watch out for that tree. Um, <laughs> and Brendan Fraser is perfect. Perfect in that role. Um, so, yeah, George of the Jungle. So are there are there any other um, ones that you thought of to mention as we were going through the list? Uh, well, Little Big – some of these I don't know if they're Disney or not, but Little Big League was up there uh, for me. That was one I really enjoyed as a kid. Um, I'm trying to think if – yeah, Richie Rich would be another one. Again, I don't know if that was Disney – um i believe both those are i don't know for certain but i believe they both are yeah um trying to think of another another one that i appreciated that might might not necessarily crack the top 10 Mm -hmm. um but i enjoyed was jungle to jungle Mm. yeah Um, yeah i I enjoyed yeah i enjoyed that one as well Mm -hmm. yeah with Tim, Al- Tim Allen. And then obviously, I mean, this is like, this goes back to the holiday conversation. It doesn't necessarily even need to be included in this, but the Santa Claus, hmm. like the original Santa Claus, and then the following ones are also quite good. So yeah. there's, there's just a, there's a whole bunch hmm. of Disney live action things that you should definitely, if you have Disney plus like scroll through the library yeah. at some point, because I guarantee you'll find something that will, will hit your nostalgia feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course we don't even include Home Alone on this one either. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's move on for this one. All right, let's do a quick round of the blockbuster game. Uh, so basically, the idea here is we throw out a category, and then each one of us will go back and forth with an answer until one of us runs out of answers. I'm not going to do a clock this time because that was a disaster the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we'll just go through and see uh, how quickly we can come up with. And if someone if someone gets stumped for too long, we're just going to have to call it because that's bad podcast listening to just listen to somebody. It's not good. It's not good production. No, it's not not good production value. Yeah, hearing someone think is silent generally. Yeah, production value. Can you? <laughs> <name blue? laughs> All right, so what's our first category? All right, the first category is movies shot primarily in Pittsburgh. You go first. All right, I don't know. I don't know how many uh, movies I know that are shot primarily in Pittsburgh, so I'm gonna have to go with uh, Batman Begins. Hmm, is that one shot primarily in Pittsburgh or The Dark Knight? <laughs> the Dark Knight is. I don't know if Batman Begins is. Nope. Keep going. Uh, I know I've seen movies with the bridge. Oh, Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget. Nice, nice. Uh, uh, Jack Reacher. Hmm, Pittsburgh. 
The Dark Knight Rises is Correct. in Pittsburgh. There you go. The stadium is exploded in the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the one you wanted. The other two were shot in Chicago. Yeah. Yes, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, let me see here. Other movies that are shot in Pittsburgh. Um, I was going to say Groundhog Day, but it's not shot primarily in Pittsburgh. I mean, that's Pittsburgh adjacent. Yeah, that's Pittsburgh adjacent. Um, um, there's that movie with Gerard, um, 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 three days later, Gerard Butler. Hmm. So it's called where he breaks his wife out of prison in Pittsburgh. Yes, yes, that's and a then, good one. And then they run away through yeah. the Pittsburgh Zoo and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm not sure how if I know many other movies that were filmed in Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah. the, the, yellow, the yellow bridges are iconic. So yeah, if you see are. that in a movie, you know that that's like where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's all I've got. I think what that's all i got. got. Yeah, okay. I got nothing else. All right, next one. This We should be able to go a little longer on this one. Uh, Bill Murray movies. Uh, Scrooge. Groundhog Day. Uh, uh, Lost in Translation. Hmm. Uh, oh, what is the name of that movie? Um, I'll just go with Ghostbusters. Space Jam. Um, what about Bob? Caddyshack. Uh, let's see. Why am I? Oh, stripes. Uh, you already said Ghostbusters, but um, Ghostbusters, the new one, Afterlife. <laughs> Ghostbusters, Afterlife. All right, no more using sequels. By the way, that's that's part of the other rules that I <laughs> that I forgot to I forgot to stay ahead of the game. You can only use one. Per... Fair, it's been a long time since he was in the first one. <laughs> and it was his appearance was a surprise. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, See, I'm, I'm picturing like four movies and I'm blanking out on titles. Um, let me see here. Um, why am I blanking out on titles? <laughs> uh, Bill Murray's been in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray's been in a lot of movies. Um, oh, come on. Why am I blanking out on titles of this? Um, the one where he plays... <sighs> shoot the one he plays a he plays a guy who thinks he's acting in a theater and he's actually in real life uh the man who knew too little man who knew too little yes i guess you get credit for that because you said it not me (laughs) um and i can't think of any off the top of my head but i know there are way many more that i've seen yeah uh zombie land all right so you uh, all right Next, uh, more Bill Murray, yeah. or are we done with that? Last category. Last category. All right. Movies set in the 1800s. See, I saw this category and I was like, I, I don't know what was set in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes get confused between like movies like the 1800s and the early 1900s because they're very similar. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to be honest and say, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, what movies do you know of that were set in the 1800s? Sherlock, uh, the Sherlock Holmes, uh, Sherlock okay. Holmes films. Okay. Uh, okay. With uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. 
They're setting the, yep. uh, so, the ATM. Good shout out there. Yeah. Um, uh, what was in the the, the one uh, Napoleon film? Um, the film about Napoleon. Um, shoot, I forget what it was. But you got Glory. You got all the World War II film or the Civil War films. Yep. You got Glory. Uh, you have um, the Gettysburg. Yeah, there's a new Napoleon movie coming out also. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that Ridley Scott? Who's who's directing that? Oh, shoot. Who is directing that? Um, uh, it was going to be called Kit Bag, but they've changed the name now to Napoleon. Yeah. That would have been confusing sense. for people otherwise. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah, 1800s is an uh, all quiet on the West. No, nope. all quiet on the Western Front would be early 1900s. Yes. The World War One. World War One, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of movies that came out in the eight that are set in the 1800s that I don't remember right now that I've seen. <laughs> All right, so we utterly failed on a couple of these topics, but <laughs> I think we need slightly more, uh, slightly more popular categories next time. I know we're supposed to be the movie experts on here, man. Yeah. Uh, oh well. So oh, much well. for that. That's a rough night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our watch list before it gets any worse. <laughs> All right, Rob, what'd you watch this week? So I saw Sing 2, and I actually went away from it thinking that perhaps it's better than the first one. Hmm. And I liked the first one quite a bit. I actually liked the music in the second one better. Um, They they played Sky Full of Stars by Coldplay, so that made it Hmm. like instantly get bonus points. That's my one of my favorite Coldplay songs. Yeah uh spoiler alert spoiler alert if you want to go see sing two don't listen to what i'm about to say okay um the main character in sing two is based on and voiced by bono and i didn't realize that until i watched the movie wow okay um so the climax of the movie is the song still haven't found what i'm looking for which yeah. is the opening song of my favorite album of all time yeah so therefore it gets uh you know many 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 bonus points for that um, and yeah. they also they also sing "Stuck in a Moment That You Can't Get Out Of" in the movie, which is another one of my favorite U two songs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I didn't know he was in the movie. No, I didn't. And he's, like the whole the whole impetus, the whole idea behind the movie is to go find this recluse former musician um, who's not making music anymore and convince him to come be a part of this concert. And that musician is played by Bono. Yeah, um, and he actually he doesn't sound like. He doesn't even sound like you, you expect Bono to sound when he's talking as the character. He actually does it in accent. Um, so he's not using his regular like Irish voice. So I didn't even necessarily realize it was him talking until the end when mm-hmm. they showed his name in the credits. Um, the other movie I went and saw, um, I had already seen Nightmare Alley uh, in color. Mm-hmm. And they actually re-released Nightmare Alley in black and white. And I went oh, and watched really? that. Okay. And it was fantastic. I am hmm. a huge fan of black and white. I'm okay. an even bigger fan of black and white with modern movies that do it well. Because I think there is so much that can be told with light and shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the movie Lighthouse that we saw, yeah. um, also the Mad Max um, black and chrome edition. If a movie is shot well and utilizes light and shadow well, mm-hmm. it's going to show up even more in a black and white version. Um, just because it, you can use it to draw attention and focus to the characters that you're trying to do, to the parts of the scene you're trying to 
Whereas when you're using color, the color itself at times I feel can be a distraction hmm. to what you're actually trying to see is black and white can really bring out the intensity and focus on an actor's performance. I think mm-hmm. because you're not relying on a crutch yeah. of looking at this shiny, pretty thing. Yeah, and that's one of the things I like so much about that movie Lighthouse because the scene where Willem Dafoe's character absolutely snaps and loses his mind. And gives this huge soliloquy, like the intensity on his face that you you're so transfixed on him. Yeah. And it's like all the light and shadow involved in that just really draws you in. And I felt like um, the black and white version of Nightmare Alley did the same. Hmm. And I really hope I'm assuming since they did this, that they'll release an edition of the movie in black and white hmm. for home viewing like they did with Mad Max. Yeah, because I want I want to see it in black and white again. Hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that they do that. So okay, I don't. I think that was limited. I don't know if they're even still doing it anymore. I think it might have only been for a few days. Yeah. Um, but I was fortunate to be able to catch it while it was still in the theater. Nice. Um, and I it I appreciated being able to see it in color and then black and white and just notice the the different feel that it gave. Yeah. Yeah. I. I understand the uses and the usefulness of black and white and appreciate it as a form of art. It's just not my favorite version. It's just not my favorite thing. Um, but it can be very, very good when it's done uh, in certain ways. So that's certainly something for it. Uh, am I up now? Is that it? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I, I already talked about a couple. I watched uh, heavyweights and dodgeball. Uh but I'll talk about two more. Uh, yesterday was Groundhog Day, so it was my annual tradition to watch Groundhog Day with Andy McDowell and Bill Murray. You just and keep repeating this tradition over and over again. I know, right? <laughs> but it is it is it is a film that really, really has stood the test of time. Um, it's the classic time loop film that a lot of people think about uh, when they go for it. Plus I think, honestly, I think it has one of the best, most accurate character development arcs in any movie I've ever seen. It just really, really does. It's exactly how a person like that would transform and would go from who he was to where he is. It goes through all of the stages, you know, the sheer disbelief to the, Oh man, this is awesome. Let's go out and party and do whatever we want to the ultimately to the nihilism that comes as a result of that. And then at the very end, he comes back and realizes, well, the only thing I have to do is to try and take responsibility and, and make, make everything better around me. And then that's when he finds, he becomes the person. And it's all told around the character of Annie McDowell, because in the beginning of the movie, he goes after Annie McDowell and is able to use manipulations and tactics to get himself to a certain point. But ultimately, he's not the person he needs to be to win her over. And that's actually uh, what sends him down the, nar- the, uh, the nihilistic spiral. But then once he finally journeys to become and take responsibility and become the person he wants to be, he's good enough to be with the girl. Like that storyline, and that's it's so interesting and so compelling, plus uh, being done with uh, the most Bill Murray of ways. But it's, it's you know, it is kind of funny. I mean, Bill Murray is not exactly uh, uh, Romeo and he's not exactly. uh, (laughs) So it's amazing to see Bill Murray in a romance film. It's this, it's just kind of funny, but I love that movie. 
Uh, and the second one I saw was Hitch. And I watched that with uh, with my wife. And I think it is one of the better, uh, one of the better romantic comedies. And I think it's a movie that really represents a lot of the, a lot of like the mid 2000s, like that, like two, the 2000 through, I would say 2003 through about 2010. I think it's a good encapsulation of, of films and, and media and kind of what life was like around that particular time. Uh, Will Smith and Kevin James were excellent together. Their, their uh, comedic duo and comedic timing is really, really cool. Uh, Kevin James is such a standout in this movie. Um, we need to see more Kevin James. I like Kevin James. I agree. I, I find Kevin James funny, unless he's in Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got anything else, Rob? I do not. I'm going right, to go well, watch George the Jungle. What was that? <laughs> I'm going to go watch George of the Jungle. Have at it. Well, that's the show, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, make sure you check out filmfans.com. Rate, subscribe, like the podcast, do all that junk, please. Share it with your friends. Pretty please. Pretty yes. please. All right. Uh, until next time, enjoy the movies. <laughs>